0: Hey guys, before we get into anything today, um, I want to quickly address the situation going on in the world. Um, It's a really tough time right now and I just urge everybody to follow whatever ordinances are out there and stay inside, do your part to shelter in place and and flatten out the curve on this virus. Um, That said, staying at home, a lot of time on your hands, don't necessarily know what to do. Well, hopefully I can help you out with that one. Um, I have five more episodes of So Stignatious for you guys. And I'm releasing them daily for five days straight starting today. Um, and there is a special reason I'm starting today. And with this episode, it is Bobby Thompson's birthday uh, today. So this interview today is with Bobby Thompson. Bobby is the director of student athlete development at Cal Bobby's amazing. Everybody goes to him for, you know, whatever we need. Um, I, I use Bobby a ton when I was writing my business school application. I use him when I need help with my resume or have interest in, in any sort of job or something I don't know how to do. And it only seemed natural that I talked to him for this because, you know, he does such a great job helping and inspiring all the 850 student athletes at Cal. So without further ado, uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. Bobby's really well read and and really into quotes. Um, And all that's going to come through for you guys. So uh, happy birthday, Bobby. Hey
1: guys, and welcome back. Today I'm with. Director of Student Athlete Development at Cal, Bobby Thompson. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Um, So, Bobby, I have mentioned you in a previous podcast because I did one with um, Isaac Sirwanga, right? um, And we were talking about how much you do here. But um, why don't you, in your own words, give everybody a little bit of you know background about who you are and
2: what your job is here at Cal. Sure. Yeah. uh, As I mentioned, or as you mentioned, I'm Bobby Thompson. I'm from Oakland, California. Uh, Grew up here, went to college at Howard University in DC. I was out there from 2007 to 2012. And upon graduation, I moved back to Oakland. And so out of my 30 years of life, I've lived out here for 25 of those years. I'm sure we'll get into some of the 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 journey that got me to where I am, but I direct student athlete development at Cal Athletics, as you just said. And so what we focus on here is uh, the the career preparation, character development, and community engagement for all 850 of our student athletes. Essentially, we're working towards enhancing and empowering our student athletes to be able to, uh, to, to enrich their holistic development.
1: Awesome, and I can say that, and as you guys have heard previously, Bobby's been, super big help to me in my career here at, at Cal and uh, figuring out, you know, certain career opportunities, um, community service opportunities, all kind of, you know, helping us write our resumes. He's, he's an awesome resource for us here. Um, Thank you. So yeah, of course, man. So um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, growing up in Oakland, what that was like? And uh, I'm also curious, how, how often you really got to go outside the scope of Oakland before deciding to move across the country to go to, to Howard? Because that, that's in DC, right, you said? Yeah, it is. Yeah.
2: So, uh, I mean, my experience growing up, in, I think everybody's experience is gonna be different, right? Sure. Uh, no matter who you are or where you come from. And, um, you know, Oakland is a big part of who I am. It's, uh, you know, I, probably more, the first thing that comes out is, is the word diversity right and and not just any one type of diversity but uh whether racial whether sexual orientation whether um um, cultures and cuisines and religions it was you know I was exposed to different my whole life right and um also you know starting organized sports at four years old I was a soccer player that that young and so you know having teammates of different backgrounds and whatnot um I mean, it was, it, was, it was just a phenomenal experience growing up in that type of way. You know, my parents, they, they worked really hard to, um, you know, to put me and my sister in the best positions and, and give us opportunities and resources. Um, I was explaining to somebody the other day, you know, my upbringing, um, I was able to see, or I should say I've been able to see, because I'm still growing up, I'm still developing, but I've been able to see people who have received less resources and opportunities than I've had. And I've also been able to see people who have received more resources and opportunities than what I've had. And so being um, somewhere in that continuum, you know, in the middle, um, has definitely shaped who I am. And, and it's a big part of why I'm so passionate about giving back um, and, and trying to share what I know and share what I have and share what I have access to and exposure to. Um, because it's, it's just that important. I've, you know there are things that when i was a kid i knew i had that maybe other people didn't have and there were other things that i knew i didn't have and so you know now now I, now i i understand that I, the the accumulation of those um opportunities and resources and what i mean by some of these resource and opportunities is access to maybe organized sport or yeah. going to a good school or going to summer camps or whatever that situation may be and so you know trying to bottle all that up and and give it back now um and And you know another I, I guess you could say resource or opportunity is my parents made sure my sister she's a couple years older than me, made sure that we were well traveled mm-hmm. and so i you know I'd been out of the country, maybe to Mexico uh several times growing up as a kid, or Hawaii even at a time when I didn't remember that, but still yeah. it was it was putting me in different environments, and you know um I think it'd be foolish to not count those as experiential moments that uh, they, they ground, that have grounded who I am and and you know who I'm continuing to become, and so, Oakland being as diverse as it is of a city, I got a lot of culture while being here, but my parents also put me in environments that made sure I diversified that, you know, extracurricular, um, and and non-athletic education uh, as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's cool to hear you talk about all the diversity and you know being able to recognize people with more and people with less than you. Because in my experience growing up, because I'm from Marin County, which is one of the wealthier areas in, in the Bay Area, um, and growing up, it's like you definitely don't know that. Like, I didn't know I had it better than a whole lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I I had no idea, and like, none of my friends had no idea. We were just little kids doing whatever life was. And then, um, partially, I mean, I'd say a lot coming coming here to college and being on a team with people from all different backgrounds, and being in Berkeley, which is one of the most diverse places, um, just like Oakland, like, totally gave me a new perspective on that kind of stuff, and I remember being back one time and we were driving, I was going to dinner with my family and maybe maybe some other guys that I'd gone to like school with. And um, we were driving past the soccer field we used to play on when we were little kids. And like I was, we were just driving down the road. And this soccer field is literally situated like probably 100 yards from the bay, like mm. sitting right next to the bay, mm. like the most beautiful thing, it's like probably five or six at night, the water is all sparkling behind mm-hmm. it, and I was just like, I, play, like, I played soccer here, like, <laughs> like what the hell is going on? I mean, just like getting out more of the, getting out and spending time with, with different kinds of people that I necessarily grew up with, mm-hmm. gave me that similar sort of thing you're talking about there, um, being able to recognize what you have, and it definitely gives you a different appreciation and different view of, people and where they come from Uh, so if you can take me back for a second Bobby Thompson in college what are your
2: passions (laughs) so architecture was one yeah that's one reason you and I, I I one reason I feel like I connected with you is when you were telling me about your design and architecture Interests and passions that you that you developed sure. uh, through childhood and, and high school, but yeah, I started at Howard as an architecture major. Um, did it for I think it was two years, about like a, like and that three was the plan? three. you were
1: gonna you wanted to be an architect. Yeah oh, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: Since since early on, I had an uncle who was an architect, and once I heard of what he did, I thought that was one of the coolest things in the world. Someone that yeah. could design a building, design a house. I mean, what person
1: so it's like a you know, homes and buildings is not permanent but it's like that's a real thing that's like a big thing that yeah. stands for I mean maybe not forever but a long time
2: absolutely i mean cultures i think i think cultures and society in many places are defined by the architecture yeah all right it's it's architecture and landscape and topography out here in the west coast is so much different than the east coast mm-hmm. and the west coast i mean than the south and which is different than other places in the world so i think it dictates a lot of human interaction for sure. And so that was a passion of mine was, was getting, it was, was begin, was studying and beginning the program of architecture. I did about two years into it. And, uh, for, for one reason or another, which we can get into if you want, I, I had a, an epiphany and a revelation ended up changing my major and, and ultimately career path. But to answer your, your question at hand, that was a passion sports, have always been a passion for me. Mm-hmm. And at the time I wasn't, quote unquote, working in sport. The only thing I had done before was, was, um, was actually at, at around that time, I would come home during the different breaks and I would work some, some basketball clinics and summer camps with some of my old coaches. So that was cool. I was getting my feet wet with some youth sport coaching and whatnot. So there was that, I mean, but as an avid sport fan, I mean, I was watching everything you could imagine and going to games as well. And it was, it was, it was fun to, uh, to, to debate against Redskin fans out there, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, but no, that was a passion of mine. Another one. And I like to answer in three. So I think another passion was, I don't want to call it this word, but ultimately this is what it is, but it's networking. I, I enjoyed meeting all types of people out there it was fascinating hearing different accents i mean at howard we have people who come from all over the country and even what's better is all over the world yeah like i had classmates with literally people who had been here from ghana for two months like you just moved here you know or trinidad and tobago you know i Talk about
1: oakland to dc ghana to dc is something
2: else exactly exactly and and so just so much beauty in that and not even just howard i mean but being in howard which is being at howard in dc which dc is a very small geographical footprint i mean we're rubbing elbows with politicians rubbing elbows with the 10 plus universities that are in a five or ten mile radius i mean think about it, american georgetown gw uh-huh. umd trinity catholic i mean there's so many right and um and so that that networking piece was for sure something that i i wasn't necessarily calling it networking but i was always wanting to just do stuff to meet people to 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 just continue to grow.
1: So I want to go back to uh, what you were mentioning earlier about your decision to shift from architecture. Um, What was that epiphany you were talking about? Hmm.
2: So with that experience, it was architecture. I love it. And it's challenging. Right. And as I was mentioning, topography and architecture out here on the West Coast is so much different than it was on the east coast or it is on the east coast i mean if you look at dc architecture i can't remember what the city code is but they don't build buildings taller than a certain height and that height is like i mean don't don't quote me but it may be like six stories high or something I recently
1: found out here in berkeley that there's a code for everything in front of campus Hmm. so that nothing can be like tall or even competing with the campanile on campus wow yeah makes sense so you can so it like sticks out above everything and also so that like you have that clear view from the top of
2: campus all you get down across the bay. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, no, I just learned that like a couple months ago.
2: Okay. So, I dealt with some challenges in my program. Some of those challenges are, you know, butting heads, butting heads with professors. And I don't think in a, you know, it wasn't in a negative or contentious way, but here I am, an 18, 19-year-old from Oakland out here in D.C. studying architecture. Like, yeah. who does that? You know what I mean? Like, that's not just... Your, your typical thing, you know? And so, you know, I don't think it was arrogance. I don't think it was, it was anything like that, but what I was accustomed to seeing architecture from an architectural st- standpoint, I think was different than some of what my classmates were experiencing and even different from what maybe some of my professors had experienced. Not to say they weren't well traveled throughout their lives, but concepts that they were teaching I think as any 18, 19 year old college student should be doing, I'm challenging those, right? In mm-hmm. a certain, in a, in a respectful way. And so, you know, that kind of started some of our attention and whatnot. And one thing led to the next, and I, it, I, I got the feeling that I wasn't, you know, my, my creativity, my unique perspectives weren't being groomed or, or, or developed. In a way, at least at the time, that I felt like I needed. And so it was a little bit of a turnoff. You know, I was kind of rubbed off of this thing of architecture. And, and you know, um, shout out to my architecture class. I love those folks in there. Um, it's not about them, but I was noticing that that lifestyle of a lot of head down work just, you know, not as much human interaction as I was looking for. Right, that wasn't, that flicks,
1: wasn't. What you were saying earlier about like, you like to go do things to go out and meet people. For sure. Not a lot
2: of time to do that. Man, we were in the studio. I can't tell you how many all-nighters I pulled. Literally, literal all-nighters. Like, we're walking out of the the design studio and the sun is up. We're in our, like, you know... (laughs) Right. <laughs> sweats hoodie like flip-flops and we're walking back to our dorm to go shower to probably come back to the dorm if not take a nap before coming back to the dorm and we're seeing at howard back to
1: the, design back to the
2: studio yeah. right and at howard um it's a fresh campus man like people fashion is is, is at a high there so we're like <laughs> looking bummy going back you know like sleeping our eyes and people are already like fresh for the next day i mean yeah. it's it's a, it's a, it's another animal there and I respected that grind so much I you know that's I, I love grind opportunities and experiences but it was you know it was one of those where um, you know I ultimately just started thinking what what is it what is it that I want in life where do I want to go from here do I want to continue doing architecture for the rest of my life type of thing right and ultimately I remember exactly where I was sitting on my sitting on my bed in my dorm and Um, and and literally had an epiphany clear as day where I was asking myself I don't remember if I said it asked it out loud but I remember asking myself what could I see myself doing for the rest of my life and like daily and enjoying and the environment that popped up in my mind was sport it was being in an arena being in a stadium being in and around these types of facilities which is funny because the architectural standpoint but also the people right yeah um athletes um people you know just that whole community of people who are athletes or who appreciate sport that was the type that was what i wanted to be around that's what i knew since four years old you know what i mean like some of my earliest memories right and so i had this epiphany and you know i didn't change my major to sport management or anything but ended up changing it to something called communication and culture which was a new major at howard at the time i think I don't even think other places have that. I've never met anyone else with that major name. And there was an emphasis of legal communications. And so um, I ended up minoring in English, wrote a lot of papers, which has, uh, you know, fared well for me, um, you know, since then.
1: That's awesome. Um, so did you start getting involved with certain things with sports? I know you say your major is not now mm-hmm. sports at this point, but did you, like, what steps were you taking to
2: realized that as a career at that point? So I took one class that I remember was available to me. It was uh, a sport law mm-hmm. while at Howard. I, I took that class and it was crazy. I mentioned that my dad went to law school. One of his law school classmates at Howard was the professor oh, of this yeah. class. So it was crazy. Right. Um, and aside from that, I, I was looking for different, opportunities, like internships or jobs Mm -hmm. or whatever that, that I could find in DC. And, you know, ultimately my last semester in college, the spring semester of 2012, I interned with ESPN's Around the Horn. And that was, man, a blessing the way that it, you know, that that opportunity was even available for me and I can get into that in a second, Um, but that was something that, you know, was probably my first foot in the sport industry from, like, a formal standpoint, right, but even before that, I remember this, me and one of my roommates were driving around uh, DC, I forget where we were going, and, you know, there's a bunch of middle schools, elementary schools throughout the city near where Howard is located, and we remember we were passing some fields, like a soccer field here, and, little baseball field there at some other schools and i remember thinking let's go coach at one of these schools right and and so we started thinking about it and talking about it and kind of speaking it into fruition ultimately we ended up not having a coaching opportunity but there was something there that i remember i and he the two of us we were we were ready to create a coaching or even athletic director opportunity position for us at some middle school in DC, just cause, like, who were we to think we could do that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. seriously. But it was, you know, that's a big part of um, a big part of who I am as a young professional is is interested and passionate about creating spaces for spaces that we want to exist within. Super
1: cool. Um, so, what? So, you you have this realization, and you end up getting the internship at Around the Horn, yeah. Uh, just briefly. What was that like, and what about it did you love so much that you know made you want to continue down
2: the path? Yeah, so I wouldn't have had that opportunity if it weren't for my friend Dean Watkins. He, uh, one of my classmates from Howard at the time, he was interning with. Pardon the, Interrupt, so the interruption. So PTI, pardon the interruption, and Around the Horn are both uh, produced out of DC, which is different because most of the others are Bristol. Um, highly questionable is out of Miami, but actually got fed through dc but anyway so the three of our shows highly questionable around the horn pardon the interruption we're all in this uh dc uh in these dc studios and so my friend at the time was interning with pardon the interruption one day i mean it was basically like it wasn't bring your friend to work day but he brought me to his internship <laughs> one day and it was awesome i mean he introduced me to a few people uh one of you know one was his supervisor i was able to meet uh mike wilbon tony kornheiser that was incredible and uh tony reality as well as who would ultimately be my supervisor um at um at around the horn with somebody else who he introduced me to and so we um i mean that was just the power of just networking you know and just being You know, I don't believe in luck. I tell anyone who knows me probably knows that. I I just believe things happen for a reason as when and how they should. And it was, you know, right place, right time, right energy, right everything. And it worked itself out. And long story short, I had an opportunity to intern it Around the Horn, like a show that I watch every day. I mean, this is crazy. Like my, my, my seat, my desk was closer to Tony Reale than me and you were sitting right now. Like not to be all like, you know, like a super fan of him, but first of all, he's awesome, incredible human being, like just as humble as they come. But my point is, is that like, that's how intimate the environment was. And I'm coming from never having an internship in my life to now this is where, this is what I'm doing. So I was able to cut highlights, um, pitch story ideas, um, you know, learn different things about that side of, of the sport industry, right? The production side and you know, one, thing that people always say that's that, that's very important is it's equally as important to find out what you don't want to do as as it is what you do want to do Absolutely. and you know I, I respect and appreciate those that work in the me on the media side of, of sport on the on the broadcasting side but I just learned that that wasn't that wasn't my favorite thing to do I was seeing some I was seeing some politics. I was seeing some, which there's politics in everything, sure. right? But I was seeing some politics. And I'll, I'll tell you this. At the time, the A's were balling. I'm a big Oakland A's, man. The A's were balling. And I'm pitching story ideas. And, you know, they, they listened to, to a good number uh, of them. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know why they would not show my A's, but they were showing the Yankees and the, and the Mets and the, uh, you know what I mean, the Cubs and the Cardinals. And it's like, you know, so that East Coast, West Coast, like, bias, that East Coast bias, I, oh, it's yeah. real. Yeah. And it's not just ESPN. Shout out ESPN. It's not just them. It's it's just real. I mean, it's in the hip hop industry. It's yeah. I mean, it's in you know. So that was something that um, you know I just and and I wanted I wanted I didn't want to just cover stuff. I wanted I realized I wanted to be a part of it, right? And not necessarily in front of the camera. But for example, I want to work with that individual who's doing amazing things and try to help you know help enhance that as opposed to just document it, which. That's somebody else's lane. I understand that. And there's no knock to it, right? Yeah. And and so it was just about learning lanes. And that was a lane that I realized, look, this is fun, I could do it. Um, but I wanted I wanna do some other things.
1: And what were those other things? What were the next steps
2: after, after college? <laughs> next step was my lease uh, ending <laughs> in my apartment, <laughs> so it's time to go. <laughs> right. Yep. Now it's time to get out of DC. Yeah, and... Yeah, yeah it wasn't about wanting or needing to go back home per se, but I had an opportunity that was back home. One, I had housing, right? I was oh. able to go back to um, to stay with my parents, which that was great. And then I also had an opportunity with Pac-12 Networks. It was, it was let's see, it was summer of 2012 and I was applying for a production assistant Position uh, part time with Pac-12 Networks to be a, a game logger. So a lot of like similar type things I was doing with around the horn, um, uh, cutting highlights as well as logging games, which was even more important, right? So essentially, logging games is is a very mundane process of tracking every single play that's going on so that your real production so the real production folks could easily identify when and where a play is and cut their highlights that much more efficiently and productively Uh right so um i had that opportunity and um and that's really what brought me back here so even though i knew like hey this isn't my like favorite lane to be in um like i said i liked it enough that i was able to endure it and and i mean who wouldn't want to work at pac-12 networks it was the launch actually in august of 2012 this was like now pac-12 Networks. people think it's like oh it's this th-? and it's like yeah it is this thing but like this was the launch like yeah. it didn't exist before yeah. you know what i mean And so that was cool to be a part of that process and and the grind in that way i remember when we first started we didn't have wi-fi in the building so no lie we're using plug we're using data on our phones. this just sounds crazy right? right we're using data on our phones to look up rosters to input the rosters so we could be ready by the rollout for the games. It was wild man but um, but yeah, learned a lot um, in that in that role as well, you know and um, at that time when I was when I was um, working with Pac 12 networks, probably about I think five months in or so, about a year almost a year after I, I, I got back from um, from DC and from Howard, I started coaching youth sports. So I started like more intently. I started coaching uh, little league baseball, and that's something I tell people all the time. Like youth sport coaching will never come off of my resume because of how it impacted me, how I grew from it, what I learned about interpersonal communication and, and relationship development and mm-hmm. cultivation. And so, so I'm working at Pac-12 at that time, but I'm also getting my feet wet, like very wet in this in this youth sport coaching and and building these relationships with these young people, like 11 and 12 year olds, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and one of my best friends was my assistant coach. And so we had a ball doing that, man. It was one of the most uh, transformational, you know, work experiences, if, if that's what it needs to be called, of my life.
1: I'd also want to get into what happens a little bit after that. Yeah. Um, you had a brief or, you know, you had a stint in grad school. Yeah. So why do you, in the first place, decide you wanted to go
2: yeah, so let me even uh, specify what that grad school is. Yeah, so I had, sure. a, I had a stint in law school and ultimately completed my grad program, which was sport management. So right. two different programs. but um, So this was at the time when I was at Pac-12 Networks. I was coaching and I started applying for law schools and ultimately got into uh, USF School of Law, University of San Francisco, went through that program, or I should say began that program. And... After my first year, unfortunately, I was academically disqualified for having like a a hundredth of a decimal away from the the GPA requirement that I needed to matriculate onto my 2L year. And so um, what I ultimately then needed to do was to to retake certain courses um, that I got in grad school in general. It's the grade system is a lot different, like C is like failing (laughs) apparently. Right. So I had to retake some classes that. I got below that I earned less than a, I can't remember, I think it was less than a C plus N or something. So like I had, I think it was two C's on my, on my transcript. And apparently that's, that's, <coughs> that's horrible. It's a that's a no, no. So I uh, retook a few of these classes, did better in two of the three, I improved my grade to the B range in those, in two of the three. And then in one of them, uh, maintained a C in it and so they were like okay that's your second basically strike but that's it so remained academically disqualified wasn't able to get back into the school right
1: when that happened where was your your headspace at
2: Hm. I can tell you exactly where I was I was at a beach when I was when I when I found out that news I was like refreshing my internet from my phone you yeah. know the internet page to see my grades come out over and over and over refresh 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 Bam, saw it, and I was literally I was I was working at this like this very part time job. It was a it was it was a beach soccer tournament is uh, ultimately what we were putting together, and I was like on this operation staff, so doing a little bit of everything, right? Sure. We had just set up all these fields at uh, it was at Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. All these field all these soccer fields in the sand and. I have my phone in front of my face and I see the grades and I see I didn't make the cut and I'm looking out into the ocean and I'm telling you hindsight probably about two years ago made sense of this time period for me and I, I'm, I'm becoming convinced that just you know the power of water and how therapeutic it is mm-hmm. I think it really calmed me in that moment I didn't have any outbursts I wasn't angry I wasn't sad I wasn't dejected I, you, like none of those types of emotions I didn't feel those it was this sense of clarity it was like it was acceptance right it was um I was I was I was in a place where my mind was ready to pivot that's really where I was was okay this happened it's time to pivot what's next yeah and I didn't figure out what was next like in that very specific moment was, I mean yeah. I had some ideas uh, you know um I had some ideas leading even up to that day like it's not like I thought I was gonna get back in you know I knew it was like okay that test was kind of hard that I just took right you know and so um you know I'm always thinking of ideas and, and and plan A through Z but point being is that it was just so clear and it was like okay we're gonna get through this like that's that's really how I just remember feeling that and You know, here I am at the beach. It's a beautiful day. I'm looking at waves come in. I have a job that I'm doing where I was actually getting paid pretty well, like, per hour, right? I mean, it was like, I mean, I'm 20, what, at the time, I don't know, 24 years old, 25 years old. Like, I'm good. That's how I felt. It was just like, okay, it's just time to figure out what the next move is. What's the next play?
0: And how did that play
1: out? Like, what did it eventually end up being?
2: So within, I think it was probably about, Six months from then, because that was sometime in the summer and of, of 2015, and so um, about six months later, I started in the USF Sport Management Master's Program, which was same USF, literally right across the street, a stone's throw away. I had been already cultivating relationships with some of the faculty and, and professors who were over there in that yeah. program while I was even in the law school. I would collaborated even on a couple of projects when I was there, but I shouldn't say but. And so at that point, I had already had sport management on my mind. And I told you I wanted to get into this, well, I didn't say this, but the intersection of sport sport and business, right, Mm -hmm. and law. And so that's where I was going with this law thing. And so I was already building those relationships with people over there. My girlfriend at the time, she was in the sport management program. I think at the time she was a year in about. And so I had been seeing firsthand the workload that she was going through the types of assignments they were working on just literally how amazing that program was and i was like yeah that's something that i would want to do that's something i could do i applied for it and next thing i know i'm in the program and again within six or seven months after being canceled by a law school program i was now in the uh in the usf sport management masters program and just, you know something that I've, I've expressed to them and thought about and reflected on myself is how grateful and blessed i, I am that they gave, they gave me a chance and an opportunity in that moment. You know, I think it could be very easy for a, 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 gra- a, a grad school or a university to say no to an applicant who had recently been kicked out and dis- dismissed academically, yeah. especially at the same university, right? And so yeah. for them to extend that opportunity for me was, was nothing short of, of a blessing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it goes to show also, like, Like there's bumps and like especially for me like a lot of people my age like it's so you know so obsessed with like doing so well on in all these different aspects and like failings like looked at it such as like bad thing but like I feel like everyone fails at some points and it's just like stories like yours stories like some other people that I've spoken to for this podcast and otherwise just kind of goes to show like there's a lot more to to figuring your own life out than like one one bump or one failure i think everyone goes through it it's just how you respond
2: what's the failure jake
1: yeah that's interesting because to me it's like not even a failure mm-hmm. like the okay i guess you technically failed to be academically eligible mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but like I think it's choosing to view it as, like, the traditional sense of a failure is where failure is actually realized. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, if you'd handle it, like, the way you were talking about getting that on on your phone at the beach, seeing that you're not in the law program anymore, like, that's, I mean, I hope I would respond that way, but when I feel like I don't succeed at something, that's kind of like, like, that's it. Like, why are you going to be hung up on it after that? Hmm. Like, why are you going to think about what you could have done different or this or that? Like, that's it. They told you. That's it. So it's like, at that point, it's like, are you going to be hung up on it? Or are you going to choose to learn from it and move on to what's next? Because if you choose to learn from it and move on to what's next, then I don't think it is a failure because you gain something from it. Mm -hmm. If you sit there and, like, think about it and let it impact the other aspects of your life and what other opportunities you could have had while you while you're sulking that's where i think it becomes a failure
2: i agree 100 percent i think if you learn from it how did you lose how, right. did, how did you fail as long
1: as you learn something you, you can't be losing because you know you either won't make that same mistake again or it'll give you some more insight on whatever your next decisions are
2: one of my mentors dr clarence lee jr he stated that in his book uh persist he wrote to persist after failure or disappointment, you must believe that your value is not attached to a result or an outcome. And that, every time I think about that, I get chills, right? And, and it's funny, I like to, I love quotes, and I also love, like, tweaking quotes.
1: Yeah, I've seen that quote in your office.
2: <laughs> I love to even tweet quotes to an extent, like, just to, to further enhance them. And I think that that's actually better well stated if you say to persist after failure or success, you must mm-hmm. believe that your that your value is not attached to a result or an outcome. It's it's that concept of not getting too high on the highs or too low on the lows. Right. Like if you win a game, is that who you like, oh now you're you know or Yeah, if you, what does
1: that say about the rest of all the other games?
2: It no? can't it can't just go one way. Yeah. And we gotta be fair with ourselves and, and check ourselves. Like we can have all the quotes we want that are motivational, but to and this isn't knocking you, Dr. Lee, but, you know, it's 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 not just about a failure not defining you, but a win doesn't define you either. They're mm-hmm. both part of the journey.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and so that's something that I really just adopted into into like the fibers of my body and my existence, you know, and, and so now I think you're spot on with this failure thing. And and it's, you know, uh, setback is another word that people will use and think about what it okay set back so you're being set back by something but did me getting kicked out of a law school or did such and such happening to whatever person did it set you back if you learned from it
1: and maybe in like (laughs) even discounting the learning from the part of it like maybe it set you forward in the fact that like you you are you know this one door is shut and now you have this other door open for your sport management program which is Maybe, I mean, and there's no way of knowing one way or the other, but it's maybe something that's more valuable to you uh, and, and what you love to do and what your career path is than a law degree would have been or sure. a law education would have been. So it's like that's the other aspect of it is if you think about it too much, like it, instead of just thinking about it too much, if you go out and do something else, it's like there's a chance that it propelled you in a different direction that's actually better for you.
2: I wouldn't be right here if I didn't get kicked out of law school. I wouldn't.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, that's just a fact. Yeah. Right? I would not have come across the Cal Student Athlete Development internship job posting. Yeah. And if I did, that would have been so far removed from what I was, you see what I'm saying? And so I wouldn't know you had that not happened. Sure. And to go back on something I said, I believe just vehemently that everything happens for a reason as when and how it should. It's a, part, it's a part of who I am. And so, I mean, it's something that I've brought up in, in, in uh, job interviews is either being academically disqualified from law school or, you know, just various, as you call them bumps along the road. Like mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's address those, let's address those elephants in the room because it's not, a, it's, it's, it's not what defines us. And, Absolutely. you know, and so it's just about, you know, owning who you are, your existence, owning your journey. You know and i think that you know that's that's just a big part of being not even just a young professional but a a person a human right nobody as we know it's hella cliche sure but nobody's perfect what you know that's cliche okay but it's so okay if nobody's perfect then and, and you can go to dr lee for this you can go to um Some other author, it'll come to me. But essentially, it's you know strive to impact, not to impress. John C. Maxwell is other author that that wrote this. But the importance of striving to impact people, but not striving to impress people. You're going to impress people with all your accolades and achievements and accomplishments and successes. Like oh wow, like you went to grad school. You you know sure. But strive to impact people. You impact people with the struggles and the challenges and overcoming those and persevering. And, and so it's just a different way to think about it. And, um, you know, this is, I mean, as you can see, I get passionate about this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, real quickly, how you mentioned you saw a job posting for student athlete development internship here. Yeah. Um, can you go through your journey of getting to Cal and hmm. how you stumbled into a full-time position?
2: Yeah, uh, you asked about my journey to get to Cal and I tell people this and people think I'm joking, but, you know, it started on April 3rd,
0: 1989.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, I, I firmly believe that we're an accumulation of all of our experiences. So part of my journey of getting to Cal is, you know, working at Levi's for a couple of years in in College at the, at the clothing store. Mm-hmm. Part of it is working at Abercrombie for those few weeks before realizing I, I hated that they made me shave. Right. Um, Part of my journey is, is coaching youth sports. Part of my journey is is ESPN around the horn. Part of my journey is the beach soccer tournament that I was working at. Part of my journey getting to Cal was getting academically disqualified from USF law. Like I say these things so, this is it's just real, yeah. right? And, and so I don't mean to undermine your question, but that, you know, what made me qualified for that internship position is the 20 whatever years of my life that I had lived up in and who I've become, right? And so, I mean, yes, okay, that's the way I'm gonna answer that. That's the real way. And then to answer your question, I'll say, you know, a couple of the opportunities that I had leading up to it, some things that made me qualified, if you will, were being a youth sports coach. I firmly believe that. Um, You know, it's all, you know, professional development and career pursuit is all about. Leveraging your transferable skills—not all about—but a big part of it is leveraging your transferable skills. So, if I can effectively teach and educate and develop these ten to twelve-year-olds on this one team, and, and thirteen to fifteen-year-olds on this other team, if I can do that with that age group, it's not just a given I can do it with eighteen to twenty-one-year-olds, eighteen to twenty-two-year-olds. But there's a good chance, right? Yeah. And so it's about leveraging those types of experiences. So being a youth sports coach, like in the organization that, in it, that I had to administer and exhibit in order to be an effective coach, it's not about winning and losing, even though we did win the championships, the championship, um, you know, my, my bedrock bombers team, that was an amazing season. And, and I mean, I can't tell you how much I learned from those moments in that season in particular. Uh-huh. Um, I think 20 games into the season, we were below 500 ended up winning the championship. It was. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't have scripted any better, Right. but it was, it was rolling my, it was jobs that had me roll my sleeves up. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, it was, I, I did a lot of part-time operational jobs. I've worked with, you know, uh, marathons that'll have come into the city for like a weekend. And like, I'm given credentials and, and, um, you know, setting up everything you could imagine. Yeah. Right. I mean, just these roll your sleeve up type of jobs, because I think what it does is it it humbles you and it shows you how important every aspect of an organization is to that organization, Uh right? Some, I mean, we're gonna look at some some tasks as being more glamorous, more sexy than others. And and we're gonna look at other tasks as being, we already know what kind of work people call it. Blank work is all I'll say. And, you know, I tell student athletes almost daily here Let's shift our perspective for thinking of it. Thinking of those tasks in that way, right? Because there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose for everything you're doing, and it's about it's it's your it's your responsibility to figure out what is the purpose, what is the value that's being provided by me doing X, Y, or Z task. If even if it's that I passed out 1,700 credentials for this marathon, like you know, I'm giving out 1,700 credentials for people who are working to make this marathon happen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? We see, we see or we think of a marathon and we're like, oh, there's thousands of people running and they're having a great time. And then you start thinking, okay, what if I had to go into that to make it happen? Okay, cool. Let's keep taking that layers and layers. There were 1,700 staffers to make that marathon happen. And for those people to do their jobs and get access into where they need to go, they needed credentials. So here's me, little old me, like giving away, you see what I'm saying? And so it's it's jobs like that, that really shift your perspective. And I think make you grateful for, 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 for work and for just what does it take for things to, for, for organizations to move, you know? And so, you know, again, it was, it was youth sport coaching. It was, um, it was these operational jobs. I also had a job at right when I started my USF sport management program that um, was at USF athletics in their department. And so I knew nothing about golf at the time. I um, still don't know much about golf, but it was more so about the transferable skill of event planning. Yeah, And so I was, I had an opportunity to coordinate a significant uh, donor and fundraiser event. And so you know, gaining some, some experience in college athletics, working with student-athletes there, working with donors. I mean, it's like, it's, again, it's an accumulation of all these experiences and skills that then you're able to leverage when you then apply for an opportunity. And so, you know, by the time that I had applied, I had accrued, you know, I don't think, I don't think on, you know, it would be your traditional trajectory to get into student-athlete development. But, sure. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't try to go the traditional path.
1: different ways you've kind of weaved and shifted directions to get to where you are now. Um, Can you, what's your favorite thing about your job right
2: now? Mm. That pause is real, I'm thinking. My favorite aspect of my job is is serving others is putting other people and other people's needs for a certain amount of hours in the day. It's, which are a lot of hours in my job, but yeah. it's for whatever amount of time per day, per week, per month, it's putting the needs of others before my own. And that sounds very mother Teresa E or, you know, just the cliche, like, but no, it's real. All right. It's serving people who need and want to be served maybe people who don't even realize they need to be served yeah we're talking about we're talking we're talking about student athletes who are elite academically elite athletically and not to say you guys are an elite in any other aspect of your life but now we're taking a space where many student athletes not just at cal not just d1 across the board are kind of like a fish out of water in this space it's like wait what professional development being intentional about community service, all these different things, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, being able to tap into all of my experiences, many of which that I've shared today, tap into those experiences, and, tr- and to try to provide perspective, right? Um, so it's it's serving others, it's providing perspective, and and really demystifying certain elements of you guys of, of where you guys are right now, yeah. right? Like you're in college. So your, your vision is jaded. Not to say mine isn't jaded, but I now have college in my hindsight. So I can look at the experience you're in right now, and I can help compartmentalize it in your life for you, right? A little better than you may be able to sure. see, right? And so, man, that's so rewarding to be able to really enhance already elite individuals. You know, people who you guys are some of the most humble people who I've come across. Like, And that's, and that's a fact. And so having the opportunity to play a part in your development, I mean, that is a phenomenal reward in and of itself. And and, and every day is different. Every student athlete is different. We have eight hundred and fifty. There's no way I know eight hundred and fifty of you guys. Right. I try to know as many as I can. But my point is, is you all come with a different story. You all come with different experiences that provide different challenges for me. I love challenges. I love puzzles. I love trying to figure things out and trying to, okay, here's a, here's an obstacle. How can we now overcome this obstacle? And so, man, that's, that's probably what I love most about this position.
1: Yeah. So I have one last question for you. Sure. Along the lines of uh, challenges with the job. Yeah. Just from what I've noticed. um, You, I mean, you do everything in your power to get everything out there. Like you've got all of us, all 850 on an email list. We get emails from you all the time about uh, community service opportunities, prof- professional development
2: opportunities, and I can um, do better at that for sure. But I hear you. Yeah, no, Thank but you,
1: you. I mean, you're doing, you're definitely doing your part to put yourself out there, and like, people know who you are, at least from seeing your name in their email. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest challenges I think that your job has is actually getting. Student athletes to engage with the resources that you help provide and and the resources here on campus. Um, How do you how do you kind of deal with that challenge? Because even like myself, I I'm now involved with a lot of your resources and check out all the emails you send Mm -hmm. to look for things I may be interested in or things Mm -hmm. that may help me. Mm -hmm. But like there was for sure a time, at least probably for like two years, year and a half, where I wasn't as engaged with that stuff. So. How do, you, how do you get student-athletes to be engaged and realize their opportunities and really take advantage of them?
2: How did I get you?
1: Me was a little different. I, <laughs> well, me was, me was another student-athlete telling me uh, to come to one of the student-athlete clubs over here sure. on campus. okay. So that was, you know, I was, like, realizing that I wasn't doing enough. Yeah. And, and I've talked about this before. It's like... I, I was kind of at this point where, like, school felt pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, not easy, but, like, I was doing well in school. I was doing well in athletics. And I was kind of in an absence of challenges. Mm. So I was, like, looking around, like, everyone knows more people than me. How do I go meet more people? Mm. One of my friends, you know, was telling me about uh, GBAC, which is the Student Athlete Advisory Committee on campus. Um, so I went to a meeting there. I've gone to a bunch of meetings since. Some of those other athletes are involved in other stuff and I followed up their things and um, kind of got to know you through through all that. But that's how yeah. I got involved in, you know, I try to do the same thing. I try yeah. to tell all the young guys coming in who are interested in developing themselves sure. to, to do all of those things.
2: Sure, I got you. And, and, you know, I'm trying to get this fish to realize it can breathe out of water, mm. right? And so it's... <laughs> It's going to be, it's going to feel uncomfortable for you guys. It's going to feel, it's going to feel foreign. It's going to feel like it's going to feel, you're going to feel desperate. You're going to feel like I can't breathe. You know what I mean? Like you're going to feel these, all these different things. And I'm trying to show you that you can, you know? And so how I think relentlessness being unwavering with that, yeah. Understanding, I understand going into it, it's going to be a challenge. I know that just because I say, hey, I'm putting on a resume workshop tonight, it's good for A, B, and C reasons. You should come, you don't have homework, you don't have practice, you don't have this. You, you actually have a free time during that time. It's a I still understand that's not enough, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's being relentless, it's, being, it's thinking outside the box and being innovative. How can I approach, you? If, if it's you, Jake, how can I approach you in various ways to finally strike that chord with you, mm-hmm. right? And and that is that is uh, a major challenge. Not just here at Cal. That's uh, I talk to my industry colleagues all the time, my counterparts at other schools, and that's like student athlete engagement is like the highest thing. It's like a challenge for everybody, right? And so sure. it's nothing. It's nothing unique to here. And So like I've been, like I've said a few times, you know, I enjoy challenges. I enjoy trying to figure things out and I would rely, I would just keep falling back to those words, man, is it's, it's understanding it's going to take more than one time probably. And also understanding that probably even 50% of this may go over your head and not, when I say go over your head, it's not in any condescending way. It's just sure. we're now, like you said, you're you're at that age. You either think you know everything, or you think such and such this person is older than me, and ah, uh, that's like old ways. You know what I'm saying? It's different, now. It's different yeah. now, type of thing. Or it's I don't have to think about that until later in life, type of thing. And there's this one though. I think this this is something that I, you know I think I have going for me um, as one factor to connecting with you guys and and you know recruiting student athletes to get to different events is is my age. I think that me being, you know, I guess that would be 12 to, or I should say, I should say 8 to 12 years older than student-athletes, right? Most student-athletes are 18 to 22.
1: Just out of curiosity, what, what's, I mean, for your colleagues who do similar stuff, are they older than you for the most part?
2: I think I'm young. I'm on the younger side. Yeah. There are some, some OGs in the game. You know what I mean? There, yeah. there are some OGs. And then, and then even people who you wouldn't consider OGs, they might be mid-30s. It might be 40, it might be 31. I I still, you know what I mean? I'm 30, like, and so it's, you know, for somebody to have an, to be in a position to lead a department of student athlete development, like, I don't know, I've never run the data, but I think I'm quite young in that regard, right? And so it's, you know, I think that's something that I have going for me because I can translate to you guys' language, I think, effectively right? Where not to, I mean, hey, if someone 45 might be able to do it too, but someone 45 might have, you know, there's those generational gaps. Yeah. And that's real, you know, and, and, and so, again, I think I'm answering your question, but... No,
1: you, you are, and I mean, I definitely I mean, like, thinking about it in my seat as a student athlete, like, if you were 45, like, you were like some older guy... It'd be a little disconnect, older, right? Older, yeah, it'd be like, it'd be different, because people, I mean... It's hard to snag people initially, like we're talking about, but once you get people in, I feel like you see a lot of the same people a lot. Mm-hmm. Like once once people start coming around to it, and I I feel like it's a lot easier to build that relationship with someone who is closer in age and understands the same sort of stuff. Yeah, and it's easier to listen to someone like that too. Um, from from like a, cause it's like we're talking about like a what do we do next after college perspective. Sure. That's not like. That far in the rear view for you, you know. I'm I'm in it. Yeah, like like so. It's like
2: I've had a full time job. I graduated from college in 2012. Yeah, it's 2019. I've had a full time job for three years. Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, that's what I, it's like. It makes it easier now that I'm thinking about it. Like, were you a lot older than you are? I don't think it would be as as easy for me and my teammates and other student athletes here. to
2: to build those connections. Man, this, this generational thing, like, and it's funny, it's older people who always talk about generational differences and gaps and stuff, but I just heard this phenomenal speaker, can't remember his name right now, but I was at a conference and he spoke on the uh, on on the reality of generational gaps
1: before you get to that point go ahead jump to the final three questions all good let's do it this is your answer to it okay um to the first one so what's one thing that you've read watched or listened to lately that inspired you and think people should check out so i think i think that, that that could qualify man but if it's if it's that and something else still finish that point and give whatever
2: else i'll come back to the generational thing i'll come back to okay um i'll I'll answer this question so just repeat the question again one more time one
1: thing that you've read watched or listened to lately that inspired Mm -hmm. you and you think people should check out Hmm.
2: with that so i about 18 months ago i prioritized reading for leisure so i have a ton of books on my mind that i want to say share right now but I'll I'll, I'll play the game fair one thing chop wood carry water it's a name it's the name of a book okay it's it's part one of a two-part series if you will there's a sequel to the book which is called uh, pound the stone is the name of the the sequel but chop wood carry water Uh, So I just kind of cheated and gave you two (laughs) right there. Clever way. But it's uh, it's about it's about persistence and resilience and and um, essentially appreciating and loving the grind, Mm. right? And so, I mean, literally in my phone right now, I could give you. I'm going to read you a quote. Uh, I wrote down a lot of quotes that are that are in that book that really they're just really stuck with me. As I said, I'm a, I'm a quote person, and so, let's see, give me just a second, here we go. You are more powerful than you'll ever realize, act accordingly. That spoke volumes to me, it sounds basic, but that's all I'm going to say.
1: I, I guess I got to check it out to find out more. For sure. Um... But, yeah, go ahead and finish that point about
2: the, the generational gap theory. The generational gap. So he broke it down. The speaker broke it down. And the, this is crazy. I went to this conference in Orlando. And the day – it was either the day I was traveling or the same – whatever it was. I was going to miss a speaker here speaking to Cal Athletic staff. And she was going to be speaking on generational gaps and differences in communication. <laughs> and I was – pissed because i'm like damn like i I like learning you know what i mean like i wanted to be there for that and i was i was annoyed because i wasn't going to be there but i was like whatever i'm going to this amazing thing blah 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 right so i went to the conference first keynote speaker is talking on that exact thing different speaker but it was just like i can't even express to you how meant to be that you see what i'm talking about right so broke it down from baby boomers to gen x to millennials to Gen Z, maybe there's even another one in there, but talks about the challenges that the real challenges that we all face when communicating with somebody from a different generation. Yeah. And I couldn't do any justice for, you know, what his presentation was about. But, but that's, that's very real is, is understanding those nuances. And so me being a millennial. And I can't remember where the age cutoff is, but let's just say, like, you're a tweener. I think you're Z, though. Yeah. i I'm, I'm, like,
1: I think the age cutoff is, like, a few years before me for millennial.
2: Sure. So, it's, like, that, there's already a difference, right? Like, yeah. and that's, it's just so real. Like, I haven't done <laughs> the research on it, but, like, even though we're, it's still, even as close as we are in age, it's still, that generation is still real. And so, imagine the further away you get, and those can present some challenges and it's interesting to me
1: because like my understanding of like generational gaps and is not so much from like actual differences in people because like a lot of people try to like generalize different generations as um like having certain character traits but i don't i don't think that's necessarily true i think it's the different uh, different like problems that each generation faces for sure um and i think like there's almost an ignorance i think from older generations looking at younger generations in terms of thinking it's like based on pure character traits yeah rather than the generations being formed by different social and and economic problems that each generation has to face um there's I think that's where the disconnect comes from more than people at the core being
2: mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that man you said I'm gonna cheat again I'm, you, you, you said what's something you read watched or heard so there's this concept of things that are easy to do but easier not to do and that being that being being careful of, of not falling victim to something being easier not to do because then it's stunting your greatness. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Like, and, and so essentially fundamental work. It's easy to go out there, if you're Kobe, it's <laughs> easy to go put in that work, put in that footwork, get the shot, thousands of shots up, do the repetitions, even without a basket. That's easy, that's easy to do,
0: Yeah.
2: but it's easier not to do that.
0: Right.
2: And so do you have the discipline to, to identify those things? And to still do the things that are easier not to do. And that's typically what separates good from great. Or even great from exceptional. Or even exceptional from the best. Yeah. Or probably even the best from the GOAT. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, think about how many levels that is from good to the GOAT. That's crazy. But, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: That's, I mean, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast so far has just been, like, I feel like I learned so much from talking to so many different people. Um, just felt like I had to slip that in there before I moved on to the next question but sure. um, who or what was your biggest inspiration to figuring out what you were passionate about and acting on it
0: mm.
2: I think There are more, I have more than one passion, so that could go in multiple ways. One way, I'm going to go back to Kobe, right? My favorite athlete of all time on the court, favorite athlete of all time, no matter, doesn't matter the sport or anything like that. Sure. And as he got older, and obviously I got older, um, I started appreciating his off the court, if you will, but even on the court, his mentality, I started appreciating that mentality, and Really, his hyper-focus on being not simply the greatest, like, oh, I'm greater than, blank, but being the greatest he could be.
0: Yeah.
2: How could, in his mind, Your how best could... Best version I, of yourself. Best version of himself. Yeah. Perfectly stated. And, man, I, I, I just locked into that, right? And I'm not saying I'm the best version of myself, but I'm trying, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that mentality has, I think permeated through other aspects of my life, not just in, in any one way of being the best version. I try to be the best boyfriend that I could be. I try to be the best son I could be. I try to be the best professional I could be. You name it, right? I try to be the best. I mean, I'm competitive. I've been an athlete since I can remember. But I try to be the best resource for student athletes that I could be,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? And, it's, and it's, it's more than just saying how can you be the best how can you be the... Oh, I just want to be the best at that. But what are you doing to put in that work to make it happen? Right? And so, again, like I said, I'm not... I I don't think I'm the best version of myself because I feel like, there, man, there's so much more that I could be doing, right. even on this given day. I mean, I right?
1: think at, at any point, if you consider yourself the best version of yourself, then you're kind of eliminating any room for growth.
2: There it is. Yeah. Right? So, I think... and And look, this is no slight to other influential people in my life who i either personally know or who i've just been influenced by to choose someone like kobe right which i don't think that's at all like anything you know but my point is is that that mentality has impacted has positively impacted so many layers of who i am and it's this constant passion and desire to try to continually get better and by breaking down de- and, and so then by walking it back and being intentional about it what does it take to get better well let's figure out what exactly it is is it student athlete development and being that resource okay so am i studying the lady the latest trends am i reading up on best practices am i networking with my counterparts am i availing myself for student athletes am i challenging my own programs Am I innovating my own program? Just because I did something amazing this year, does that mean that it's gonna, if I can't do it the exact same way? Yeah. And so it's that, it's that constant and that steady appetite to improve. And so that's how I would answer that is, is with Kobe.
1: Last question I have for you. Yeah. What is your current goal?
2: It's supposed to be that generic, huh?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah you gotta think.
0: <laughs>
2: <clears throat> my current goal, so <laughs> I like that question because it allows it's gonna breed different responses from everybody. I mean, it could be short term mid term, long term. Here I am, killing time to think about my response, but no nah, <laughs> you know again i, I want to kind of come back to this concept of being the best version of myself mm-hmm. right and you know we all well most of us have seen obviously on uh, march 31st unfortunately nipsey hustle get killed and you know essentially died too young you know um uh, he was on the brink of a co- of of I mean, that's even an understatement because he was doing so many amazing things already, right? Yeah, and for people
1: that don't know, um, Nipsey Hussle was a rapper from Los Angeles that recently was killed. And he was like super ingrained in the community down there and, and doing a ton to give back to the community.
2: Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I mean, I've I've been, I think. Of myself as a conscious individual, an empathetic individual, a service-minded like I, you know, it's it's ingrained in me. And since then, though, since his life was taken, um, you know, a few months ago, it's um in whatever way I can do my part, you know, and it's and, and I want to carry on the torch, you know what I mean? It's and and not necessarily just his torch, you know what I mean? But I think that a big part of what he was about is educating people in a way that in one hand is showing that anybody can make a positive impact and difference. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's you know, just do it. Just just be intentional about what it is that you want to accomplish and and roll your sleeves up and make it happen. But two, I think that a lot of what he was doing was opening up all of our eyes and inspiring us to think outside the box and to, and, to, and to take ownership of not just from a commercial business standpoint, but to take ownership of, of, resor- of, give- of the giving of resources and, and of making people better, you know? And, and so, you know, me being the best version of myself, because of how service-minded and empathetic I know that I am, if I'm going to be the best version of myself, like, I have to do more. Like, I have to, right? Yeah. As much community service as I may facilitate for student-athletes here, as much whatever, like, I check myself often was the last time I did community service, right? Um, Was the last time that I, you know, just went out of my way to make somebody else's life a little bit easier, you know? Um, And and also just understanding, man, this, you think, what was it? Um, Damn, I'm about to butcher this quote right now. Hopefully it'll come to me. But in a nutshell, I think that no matter who we are, we all have... The position and the responsibility to—this isn't the quote, by the way—but we all have the responsibility to, 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 to do good and to give back. And because of the resources, I i am gonna come back to how I first started. The resources, the opportunities, the blessings, all that that I've received in my life, that I've pursued in my life, that I've earned in my life—all of that. What am I gonna do with it, though? Right? Yeah. And to me, it's just very important to, maybe not everybody has the platform or the ideation or whatever it is on a day-to-day basis to to create things that provide value for people. And I find myself often in a position where I feel it's my responsibility. You know, one goal of mine, here you go, here's a goal, is to have a nonprofit organization one day, right? I want to have... A nonprofit and i'm figuring out exactly you know how and and what and who i want to benefit with that i have a pretty good sense and idea but the logistics right yeah that's a goal of mine right like how could i not based on the things i've been blessed with how could i not try to harness that all and literally give it back you know um in whatever form of, of resource whether time money whatever Look at Warren Buffett. I just heard that he's giving away what is it? How many billions of dollars to you know in in, in uh, philanthropy? You know, and so it, it's just at a point where I think we can all mature ourselves and realize yes, we want to live long lives and we want to have the lifestyle that we want and and all that. But it's 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 about other people, man. If if we all were to focus on improving the lives of other people, you know, I think that. I think that we could really make some strides in the right direction so you know those are a couple goals that I have right now
0: awesome
1: thanks so much for talking with me today Bobby
2: I appreciate the opportunity to to contribute to this and um you know I want to end on the note of saying one I'm proud of you for taking the initiative to do something like this this is this is hella cool you know what I mean this is something that whoever's recommended this to you that's a, is a great idea Right. And I think that it's going to open so many doors for you in so many different ways. That's first of all. And second of all, I just want to share something that I knew I wanted to try to embed in this conversation at some point as I was thinking about this uh, today. And I think it's the importance of being creative mm-hmm. in no matter what you do. And I think that a lot of times we 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 push the responsibility of creativity on so-called artists, right? Um, singers, actors, painters, sculptors, you yeah. name it, does architects, right? Um, but we don't realize that we can be creative as well. And I'm obviously taking myself out of that, like that type of, type of artistic creativity, right? But it's, I think that when you realize any and everybody can be creative and any and everybody can be a quote unquote artist in what they do, right? take your craft to another level, be as creative in that as possible, be as innovative in that as possible. If you're an accountant, how can you innovate that industry? How can you be creative in what you do? I think if and when people do that, we'll start to see people enjoy their careers that much more. And I think that we're going to push the limits and the envelopes on every single thing that we do. And it's, it's really taking ownership of vocabulary, right? Like, Creative, has, it doesn't only have to do with, quote unquote, art, right? Yeah. Um, architect does not only have to do with somebody who's designing houses or facilities, right? You can be the architect of an organization. And so I think once you grasp and take ownership of vocabulary in a creative way, I think that you can really start creating the opportunities and, and literally create the career that you want for yourself And so, again, what you're doing right now, um, it reminds me of another quote from John C. Maxwell. When you know what you want, but you can't find what you need, you must create what you need so you can get what you want. And that's that just, again, struck a chord with me. And that's what you're doing right now. I'm not saying you don't know what you want or you know what you want, but you can't find what you need. I'm not saying you can't find that, but create you're creating what you need right now. You may not even realize how this is going to benefit you in the future it doesn't even matter i mean it does matter but it doesn't matter for you to concern yourself with that just keep keep balling with this right keep grinding with this keep getting better at this and again it's going to open so many doors for you and it's all because you decided to be to take initiative and to create
0: Well, I hope Bobby delivered on the quotes for you guys, uh, as he hit us with one for the close right there. Um, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed that one. Like I said, um, be on the lookout for an episode every day over the next five days, give you something to keep you busy, uh, while you're stuck inside. Um, everybody stay safe and stay stigmatious.